Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. And I'm Deanna Norris, happy to be back again as Dan's co-host. Today, we'll be discussing the holidays and how to cope with some of the stress and grief that affects so many during this time of year. Now, before we dive into that important conversation, be sure you dive into any previous episodes of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New episodes can also be found on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel and as part of the headlines we can review. With that, let's bring in Jillian Dronfield and Lizbeth Harcourt. Welcome. Uh, can the two of you go ahead and introduce yourselves and explain your role within the organization? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Jillian Dronfield. I am a faculty and staff counselor in our Office of Counseling and Workplace uh, Resilience, and I am also a co-chair for our Honoring Life and Loss Grief Awareness for Faculty and Staff Initiative. Hi, everybody. My name is Lizbeth, and I am a program manager in the Department of Social Work. Um, I am in the Office of Decedent Affairs, um, which is a centralized um, hub for all things related to end of life and after death care for our patients and families. Um, I cover all of our adult services um, and I have a colleague that covers all of uh, Mott and women's. So we're, we're a two person program um, focused on supporting patients, families and staff and faculty um, during the end of life after death process. Grief Awareness, the initiative, has been around for quite a while. We actually, uh, some colleagues of mine in the transplant department started this project back in 2007. Um, We really recognized that the work that we were doing in transplant was, was difficult because partly because we established these relationships over years and years and years of caring for patients. And then we um, walked with them through the end of their lives. And that it really felt like we were losing special people too. And so a group of us social workers um, got together and talked about that. We, we talked about it in in the context of like a cumulative grief response. So all of these grief um, reactions or experiences kind of compounded each other and made the work um, challenging at times. And and so we started uh, some programming around building community and providing space to talk about grief and loss um, and brought in speakers and education as well. Fast forward uh, to 2012, um, I was still in the transplant center and began having conversations with um, the program manager and office of decedent affair at that time um, to expand this initiative throughout the health system. And so since 2012, we've been offering programming um, to the entire health system. And, and gotten have gotten a really good response and have uh, built an, a program that people begin, are expecting and looking forward to each year. Yeah, it's such an important program. And, you know, and I know we'll get into this later, but grief is such a big part of the work that everyone here does, right? They create such special relationships 
with patients, family members, and they have grief in their own personal lives that sometimes they need to set aside when they come to work. And that's not easy either. So um, it's such important work that you're doing. Now, Jillian, I, I'd like to direct this to you. You know, grief and loss are very prevalent feelings this time of year during the holiday season. Why is that the case? Why do those feelings become even more pronounced and prevalent? Yeah, so grief can feel big really at any time of the year, but for a lot of folks, the holidays can bring up just much more intense feelings of loss. Um, you know, our traditions and experiences can feel empty without our loved ones present. Um, the sense of joy and merriment that we see in others can feel really elusive. Um, and when we experience a loss, we are trying to adapt to a new set of life experiences when really all we want to do is like fall back into our, our regular familiar, beloved routines and rituals uh, during the holiday season. And once there's been a loss, that just isn't always an option, which can feel really, really tough for people. So what would be your biggest piece of advice for those who are feeling grief or loss at this time of year? So uh, John O'Donohue, who is um, uh, the late poet from Ireland, uh, in his words, he says, be excessively gentle with yourself. So nothing has to happen in any particular way this season. You can, you know, ask for what you need if you're able to, or even letting folks know what you don't need or you don't want can be helpful. Uh, and you may have to test the waters um, a little bit about whether or not you want to continue past traditions, uh, since they might feel a little too painful and you may need to um, experiment to see if you need to try something completely new this year, or you may wanna you know, choose pieces of um, you know, different traditions that might uh, feel better to continue. Well, and I think changing traditions creates new traditions, right? And, and new memories and new feelings that in the future then may become happy, is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Elizabeth, I, do you have something to add to that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the things that I, I think is really important is to find ways to stay connected to the person that's died. Um, one of the very pronounced uh, grief theorists, William Warden, he talks about tasks that are associated with, with grief. And I think the the task that encourage those who are grieving to maintain an emotional connection with the person who's died, um, at the same time, um, allowing us to move on with life and experience those joys, um, especially around the holidays. Um, in other words, maintaining that enduring connection with the loved one who has died, we can allow for space for thoughts and memories of the deceased. Um, and I think the holidays are a perfect time to, to build on that, um, to uh, find ways to preserve the, their, the memories and their importance in, in your life and in your family. Talk about them. What made them special? What do you miss about them? Are there any traditions that that were important to them that you can then incorporate into your uh, traditions? Um, I think about my grandparents who were such an important part of my life growing up, who passed away before my kids were born. And we talk about them. I It's really important to me that um, our kids know them and know what 
what they meant to the family. Yeah, I think that segues perfectly into this next question. And you sort of have touched on it a little bit, but I'd like to expand. You know, a lot of people, when they go through a loss or they're dealing with grief, try to bury it a little bit, right? And push it aside. Why in general is it just so important to talk about grief and loss any time of year? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, throughout our lives, we experience loss. Um, Some are big, some are small, um, and we learn how to cope with grief um, through our culture, religion, family norms. Um, Certainly some coping strategies are more effective than others. Um, And because we don't openly talk about death, grief, and loss, We have little experience as a culture about how we can best support ourselves and others. Um, And when you consider working in a high mortality environment where the exposure to pain, suffering, death, and acute grief is common, um, and this grief is not typically acknowledged, it makes it even more important that we develop spaces that we can only openly talk about our feelings. We also need to accept that professional grief related to death of a patient may require different coping skills um, than what we utilize when we're experiencing the death of a special person in our personal lives. Um, I think through these conversations, we have a real opportunity to um, to build a sense of community um, where we're, where we know that we're not in this work alone, right? That we, that we, um, are all experiencing similar emotions at times. Um, and we can, we can learn from each other, new ways of coping. Um, we can have an opportunity to celebrate the good work that we do and how meaningful it is. Um, typically after a patient dies, there's very little time to process that loss. Um, but if we don't find ways to honor the experience of, of caring for someone through the end of their lives and talk about it, the losses can build up um, and they can really contribute to things like compassion fatigue, um, which make it really difficult to be fully present to the next patient that we're assigned um, and and all of that can can build up and contribute to even more significant um, emotional drain um, that can even lead to burnout. So you talked about uh, community of support, which is so incredibly important. And um, you know, as, as we all know, this work can be incredibly difficult, and and a lot of people do experience that loss and grief. So. Um, it's easy to find others who can relate and and empathize. Um, Are there specific resources at Michigan Medicine that may help people who are struggling with grief and loss or difficult emotions in the next few weeks? Sure. So I would encourage folks uh, to reach out to the Office of Counseling and Workplace Resilience. So we're a confidential counseling and consultation um, service for all of our faculty and staff. Um, We're available at no cost. um, And we offer short-term individual counseling to address all types of grief, loss, and trauma. 
Um, additionally, we offer uh, emotional support debriefs to um, support our teams. If there's been um, an employee loss or a patient loss on your unit or in your department, um, we can come and, and provide a space to process and just be together. Um, other resources in our hospital setting um, are our recharge rooms, which are available throughout the hospital, um, are a, you know, a place of respite within our very busy healthcare environment, and also our, um, our facility dogs, right? So those, those pups through Pause for Patients are um, really good at deactivating our nervous systems with a little belly rub. Um, and then also our, our grief and healing wall, which during the holiday season, we identify as remembering our loved ones during the holidays. And um, that's up on the second floor of UH um, by the cafeteria and also in Mott on the second floor. And there are markers available. People are sharing their memories of their loved ones. Um, and it's a beautiful sort of display of remembrance, which, um, which is just lovely this time of year. I would also just add that the Office of Decedent Affairs often um, provides consultation to staff and faculty about challenging cases, um, cases that um, may uh, trigger or reveal other losses to, to staff um, and trying to navigate um, that experience of, of thinking back to other cases that maybe didn't, or other patients' experiences that didn't go the way that staff and faculty had hoped. So we're, we're available to talk through those cases and um, provide strategies or things to think about clinically to work with those families and patients. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because, you know, as you both mentioned, you don't have much time in the healthcare context to really process grief, right? If you lose a patient, you literally are walking out of that room and going into someone else's room and you need to give them the best care. And in much the same way, you need to give the best care to maybe a patient going through a similar case or, you know, diagnosis that you dealt with, you know, a, a situation that didn't go as well. Um, you know, are there other sort of unique situations that are so unique to healthcare that really stand out to you that you sort of deal with in your daily interactions with all of our employees? Yeah, I mean, I think we are uh, positioned in a place of vulnerability in many people's lives and the losses that we witness um, could be years in the making, right? If somebody's had a diagnosis and they've been coming to you as a provider for years and years and years, and then you lose them, right? That's going to be, um, it can be a really challenging experience for folks. Um, or it could be, you know, in the ED where, you know, a trauma comes in and, and the folks down there are working really hard on somebody and they can't save that person. And so, those like are very distinct experiences that you know folks outside of healthcare may not recognize or understand uh, the impact. And you know, as as a healing profession um, that all all of us are in the healthcare environment, it is hard to to lose somebody. Um, it's not what we're meant to do. I think I think also we carry around. Um, a worldview 
um, uh, values about about what it means to live a long life or what it when people should die, you know, after a life well lived, for example, in 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 an elderly um, age. And and we see at Michigan Medicine things that constantly contradict that that worldview. We see patients um, who are young, young adults um, with young families um, on our adult side. Um, we take care of patients that are are the sickest because folks come to Michigan Medicine from all over the state for those heroic measures that we're able to to provide. And sometimes it's it's just not enough um, for a, a curative, um, a, a, a way to cure or or to fix the 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 injuries that have that have happened. And so I think there's just that um, that exposure to things that just don't fit in our brains. It's not supposed to be this way. Um, and that can be really challenging. Yeah, I remember talking with a nurse who worked on the pediatric oncology unit for 30 plus years. And I asked her how she was able to do it and to stay so focused on her patients. And, you know, especially when she was losing patients, right? And that's that goes against the way the world is supposed to work, right? You're not supposed to lose kids. You're not supposed to see parents lose their kids. And she said, you know, it's extremely hard. You have to cope after every loss, but you also have to realize that no matter what you made their final X number of months or weeks or years better for them. And that's, you know, what, what their job was, even if they couldn't save them, even if they couldn't quote unquote cure them, you made their lives better. And I thought that was a really uh, tremendous way of looking at it. And it sort of shows you the community, right? If, she can pass that along to her colleagues. It's everyone going through it and, and working together. Now, I know that honoring life and loss, grief awareness for faculty and staff isn't you know, just around the holidays. I know that it comes annually uh, later in the year as well, and will be coming, I believe in May 2024 is the next iteration. Can the two of you talk a little bit about that and other resources that are out there for our employees? So, the month of May is is our designated month for honoring life and loss, uh, grief awareness for faculty and staff. We offer a full day conference, uh, which is going to be ha held on May 15th at Weber's. Um, we offer continuing education credits for social work and nursing for that. Um, and we really try to keep the cost of that conference very low. Um, so that we can get as much participation. We, we would hate for um, the cost of the conference to be a barrier for anyone to attend. We also offer standalone events through the month of May. Um, and most of those are virtual so that we can um, get this message out to as many people as we can. Um, we try to find ways to, to celebrate the, the work that is done throughout the year. So really, um, encouraging people to to acknowledge that that we do really great work here at Michigan Medicine around end of life care, um, and and we also will have the grief wall available in the month of May. Jillian, is there anything else that you'd like to add to that? Yeah, so um, you know both 
Elizabeth and I mentioned the services from our respective offices. So, you know, we can offer workshops on grief, end of life, um, all of these topics that might be hard for teams to, to speak about. So, you know, we are happy to come in and talk with teams. Um, additionally, our, our Compass Peer Support Program is available for folks who maybe have dealt with really challenging patient loss and just wanna talk with another clinician about um, that experience and how it affected them. Uh, our spiritual care team is um, a wonderful resource uh, for obviously patients and families, but also for staff on the units if there's been some difficult patient losses that they've experienced. Um, and additionally, we have a new um, program out of our initiative uh, called the Giving Library, uh, where we've been able to secure four different titles about uh, grief and loss and you know secondary trauma working in healthcare that folks are able to reach out to uh, the Office of Decent Affairs. You can either come pick it up or we can send it to you uh, via inner office mail, but um, that is another um, option for folks to just be able to, to learn more about uh, working with professional loss, personal loss, um, to be able to get through those challenging times. Another thing that I'd like to mention is the hospital memorial services that are um, are sponsored by different areas of the hospital. Um, these are events that invite families to come back to Michigan Medicine um, so that we can honor their family member that has has passed away um, over the the previous year. So Mott, adult hospitals, um, the the Von Voigtlander um, Hospital and the Cancer Center all offer these memorial services throughout the year. I participate with the adult memorial service, which was held back in October. Um, it is an amazing event. Family, we had over 400 family members come back um, to share um, their share the space with us. Um, and we had, they submit photographs of their person. And as a staff person, um, I find those events to be really refueling um, to see family members and to talk with them and engage with them and, and hear about what Michigan Medicine meant to them. Um, even though the outcome wasn't what they hoped for, um, they still hold the staff um, so closely to them. Um, and so being able to come back and and say thank you um, is really meaningful to them. And I, I hope that more staff will consider participating because it feels really good. It feels really good. It's kind of contraindicated to think you're going to a memorial service and you're going to feel good about it. But it really, it does refuel um, to be able to engage with those families and, and hear um, what we meant to them. That's wonderful to hear, um, you know, about such a meaningful event. And I have heard uh, faculty and staff talk about those events and, and how much they appreciate those and, and the family members do as well. Um, so thank you, Jillian and Lizbeth, both um, so much for sharing this important information. If you want to learn more about grief at the holidays and available resources, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org.
All right, it's time for the lightning round when we ask one of our guests four quick fire questions that they haven't seen before. Lizbeth, you won the coin toss backstage, so you're going to be in the hot seat. Are you ready to go? Sure. <laughs> okay, um, so we've talked about the holidays so far in terms of stress and grief, but let's turn that around a little bit. Um, what's a favorite holiday memory or tradition that you have? Oh, well, we have a few. Um, we love watching the movie Elf, which we've already watched one time this season, and I'm sure we'll watch it a few more times. And we're at the point where we we know what's coming next, of course. So we're already laughing and we're, you know, doing the 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 voiceover with the characters in the movie. So Elf is a big, a big family tradition. Well, excellent. I think you saw the questions beforehand because the next question was, do you have any favorite holiday movies? So outside of Elf, do you have any other oh, okay. favorite holiday movies? Um, well, all of all of the different iterations of the Grinch. Um, so, you know, the the live versions, the cartoons, the original, we try to we try to watch them all. OK, this next question is extremely important. And this came from Dan. <laughs> so I find national, the important things to talk about yeah that's right that's yeah. right so brace yourselves uh national cupcake day takes place this week uh what kind of cupcake would you eat in celebration of this important day what kind of cupcake would I eat oh that's a good question see um, I, this is hard-hitting stuff this is um Probably a chocolate cupcake, maybe with like a cream cheese frosting that's not real sweet. Interesting choice. I would go red velvet, but I will allow you to have that answer that you had. All right. Finally, who would you say has been the biggest mentor in your career? I would say uh, Sue Stefanski. Um, Sue was the former program manager in the Office of Decedent Affairs. Um, she was my partner when we first transitioned grief awareness initiative from a small little program in the transplant center. Um, she was in the Office of Decedent Affairs at that time and and we partnered to try to roll this out to the to the health system. Um, she has, um, she is retired now, um, and she um, really was that person that I felt like I could talk through what I was experiencing in 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 transplant about this this um, you know these losses were meaningful to me, and I and I had to figure out a way to um, bear witness and be fully present to the patient and family while also protecting myself um, from, from the cumulative effects of, of all of these losses. And, and she really helped me through that to try to navigate those, those experiences and, and, and help find strategies that worked for me. Um, because it's not, I mean, what's interesting is this work, we can't just write a prescription to staff to say, okay, if you do this, then you're gonna be okay. Um, it's very individualized. So having that, that special person or that, that, that mentor, um, that you can, you can develop your own personal strategies, I think is, is, is really, 
um, important for sustainability um, as healthcare workers. Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and insights. Again, if you want to learn about the resources available to help cope with grief and loss during the holiday season, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. While you're there, you can see other featured stories from this week, including a look back at the 2023 Faculty and Staff Awards and tips on staying as safe as possible while online. Find all that and more at mmheadlines.org. Okay, Dan, we asked Lizbeth what her favorite holiday movie is. Are there any that stand out as your favorites? Yeah, so Lizbeth made the right choice when she said Elf. That's definitely uh, at the top of my list. And I would say it's not even just like one of my favorite holiday movies. Like it's just one of my favorite movies. And I find myself quoting it year round. Like out of nowhere, I'll be like, Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? You know, and just making quotes <laughs> like that. And then the other thing I love about it is, you know, it's such a modern movie, even though it's now probably almost 20 years old. But like, it, I feel like it's like gaining in popularity. I, you know, I drive around now and I'll see like blow up Buddy the Elves in people's front yards and things like that. And it's like they've created this modern character that has just joined sort of the pantheon of holiday of holiday characters. And I love it. it it's just so much fun. What about you, Deanna? Yeah, so I, I agree. It is really hard to beat Elf, and it's definitely a family favorite for us. Um, I think my own personal favorite would have to be It's a Wonderful Life. Um, just such a classic, and I love Jimmy Stewart uh, and Donna Reed, so that, that would have to be my top pick, I think. I think that's fair. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. For over a century, Michigan Medicine has been on a mission to bring Michigan answers to patients and families across Michigan and beyond. It's why University of Michigan Health is honored to have been named Michigan's number one hospital once again by U.S. News & World Report and to have been named year after year to the prestigious honor roll of the nation's top hospitals. If you need a Michigan answer in your life, think Michigan Medicine and visit michigananswers.com. This week's question is, how many of your colleagues won faculty and staff awards at this year's ceremony? Once again, how many of your colleagues won faculty and staff awards at this year's ceremony? You can find the answer in this week's headline story. Once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize. That's all the time we have for this week. Uh, thank you again to Jillian and Elizabeth for joining us. And thanks, as always, to all of our listeners and viewers for everything that you do for patients, for families, and for each other. And stay tuned next week when we have a special year in review episode of The Wrap. We'll see you then.